Welcome to a healthy bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you, and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Hi, it's Rebecca here, and today we are with author Jennifer Noel Taylor, and she wrote the book that we're going to be talking about. She's written a couple of books, and we're going to be talking about her book, Spiritual and Broke, in which she describes her own struggles with money and some things that she um, has gone through and how she overcame some of these challenges. And actually, you had written a little bit about the law of attraction, so I want to make sure that we talk about that. But first, I want you to introduce yourself and tell us about the books that you've written. Oh, great. Um, so yeah, so my name is Jennifer Noel Taylor. I like to call myself the chief magical officer. I run a corporation called uh, Quantum Touch, and uh, we teach energy medicine workshops around the world, hence the magic. We use energy to facilitate healing. And I've been in business 17 years. I love what I do for a living. I, I couldn't think of anything better. I love working with energy. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed while following my heart and running a business is that business is hard sometimes for people who want to bring um, these alternative methods into the world or who have a coaching practice or who have a uh, healing practice. And so I've learned a lot from my own struggles about how do you take these, these spiritual practices and, and integrate them into, you know, normal Western society and um, how do you also deal with the money part? So my books that I've written um, work a lot with the business and how do we take our love and our joy and our passion and, and ground it in, in business and actually make money doing it. So that's been the focus of my two books. Uh, the first one is called Love Incorporated and the second one is called Spiritual and Broke, How to Stop Struggling with Money and Love Your Purpose. I love that. Um, I had read a little bit about, you said you were making some mistakes with the law of attraction and that you found a way to turn things around. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that, like um, how you shifted your thoughts with the law of attraction and just, you know, basically what your um, thought process was when you were writing about this. So, yeah, so the law of attraction, if people aren't familiar with that concept, it's taught a lot by Abraham Hicks. And it's basically the idea that like attracts like, that our outer reality is a reflection of our energy and vibration. And a lot of people uh, teach that it's a reflection of our thoughts. And so basically uh, what I was doing and what I believe the law of attraction was about is if you think happy thoughts and focus on gratitude and, and meditate on abundance, that the money will, will come. And what I noticed is despite having a gratitude practice and meditating on money and, and feeling emotionally aligned with abundance, uh, I ended up with um, $35,000 of credit card debt, $100,000 business line of credit. My net worth wasn't even zero. It was $135,000 in the hole. And despite I was teaching the law of attraction, you know, I was teaching energy medicine, which is based on the law of attraction. And... And I couldn't use it to, to attract even a zero net worth, right? I, I, right. I was seriously in the hole. And um, I don't know if anyone else has had this experience where you just pay down your credit card just enough so you don't get charged the over limit fee. That's, that's all I was doing. I was just kind of barely staying afloat. And it was very frustrating. And 
I was thinking, why, why is it that I feel like I'm doing everything right with the law of attraction? I'm, I'm thinking good thoughts and all of this, and yet I'm, I'm this much in the hole. And, and I have to admit, I was, I was a bit angry at God and angry at the universe because I felt like I'm doing everything right. I'm following my heart. I'm, I'm helping others. I'm doing a job that I love. And yet it's, it's not working financially. And so I had all this anger about that. And um, so that, that's kind of where I start off in my book, Spiritual and Broke, is what's wrong? What's wrong with this picture? You know, I felt a bit like a hypocrite too, because I couldn't practice what I preached with money. And so I call that uh, my secret shame in my book, because it's teaching one thing and, and couldn't really apply it to my life. And uh, so that's where I, I get started in my book. That's, I mean, very relatable. I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, might have experienced something like this, where I, I know for myself, especially, you know, I'm in the health uh, nutrition wellness industry. And, you know, when I first started this journey, it was all about me and how I could be a healthier person and live longer and everything. And over time, as you're writing about it, sometimes it begins to shift outward and you want to share all of this knowledge with other people. And then, you know, I think there comes a point in time, maybe it doesn't happen to everyone, but at some points we cross the line and we're helping other people more than we are implementing in our own lives. And I'm not sure if this happened to you, but for me, I became so busy helping other people that I forgot to help myself. And I think that's kind of like how they say the plumber always has a clogged, you know, sink or whatever, or the, the auto mechanic always has a broken down vehicle in his car. So we're, we're, we get so focused on the outward and helping other people that then we come to a place where we realize, wait a minute, I forgot to implement this in my life. So is that similar to what you're, what you experienced? That was part of it. Mm -hmm. um, the other part that I talk a lot in my book is I was really feeling like a victim like a victim to my cause, like a martyr for the cause, right? Like I felt like, wow, I'm doing all this work to help others and, and I don't feel supported by the universe or I don't feel supported by God or, or whatever you call it. And I felt like a victim to the law of attraction. I felt like a victim to my mission. I felt like a victim to other people. I just felt like a martyr. And um, that was one of the biggest mistakes I was making because when you're in this victim consciousness, it's the antithesis of the energy you need to attract abundance, right? Victims can't really attract anything good because they're, they're in that victim state. It's vibrationally incompatible or energetically incompatible. So for me, um, and, and maybe the lack of ability to do self-care is, is kind of a reflection of feeling like a victim, or it could be, but that was my main problem was I was just in this victim uh, consciousness. Yeah, I can, I can see that. It's definitely relatable. Would you like to share with the audience a little bit about how you moved forward from that? And then I know there was a story about you being in the back of a police car. Um, I, I don't want to, you know, give away any, you know, spoilers or anything like that, but I'll let you share what you're comfortable with. Right, right. So sometimes we have wake up calls in the worst place ever. I don't know if you've experienced that. Yes. <laughs> It's not like you get an enlightenment while you're sitting under a tree meditating. Sometimes it takes the worst thing ever, right, to, to achieve an awareness, 
Mm-hmm. So um, basically, so here's how the story goes. Um, I was deeply entrenched in this victim feeling and I wasn't even that aware of it. And I think awareness is the first step. So here's what happened. Uh, somebody broke into my house in the middle of the night and it turned into a robbery and a, and a sexual assault. And so as part of that, I had to go to the rape trauma center and get, um, you know, an examination. And so the cops escorted, escorted me to the back of the police car. And, um, you know, back then I was in a deep state of trauma from this and I was kind of numb and, and not really paying attention, not even aware, you know, of, of what was going on. But I heard uh, a still small voice or, you know, whatever people call it, that intuition say, um, you need to pay attention now. And so I was in the back seat of the police car, um, again, feeling deeply like this is really horrible. This is like the worst, you know, thing ever. And um, over the radio, I heard one of the cops say, we're now transporting the victim to the rape trauma center. And, and that's when I had the wake up call because my first response to hearing that was, I'm a spiritual leader. I teach, you know, I teach empowerment. I teach law of attraction. I teach all this stuff. I, this is so wrong. I'm, I'm now I'm being labeled as a, as a victim. This is really just, this is so, so, so wrong. Because I'm, I'm not, I'm, 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 my perception that I thought I was projecting to the world was this empowered, spiritually enlightened, you know, leader. And here I was in the back of a police car being called a victim. And that just, that just hit my heart. It just woke me up and said, what am I doing? Like, I, I you know, I, I, I can't be labeled a victim. And then I realized that I, I was actually behaving like a victim in my life. I was deeply entrenched in this kind of victim mentality, feeling that I was hopeless and stuck and a victim to my money and a victim to, you know, unavailable men and, and just blaming things around me for my lack of money and my, my problems. So that, that woke me up because I thought, this is it. This is the last time I ever, I ever am dealing with the victim thing. I'm, I'm going to release the whole victim consciousness. Wow. And that was, the worst moment ever. But from that, I made that decision and realized that that was really the root of what was going on was, you know, I was thinking I was a victim. Right. I mean, that's definitely a huge wake up call. I, I can't even imagine what you must have gone through at that moment, but how did you get from there to where you are now? So, that was an eight-year journey because after after that event, I had really severe uh, PTSD. I had you know trouble sleeping through the night, um, and I'm sure everyone has been through. Let's say their house was on fire or any of these really extreme tragedies. The the resultant PTSD of of just you know feeling like it'll happen again is is really extreme. So one of the things that I was trying to understand is that, are we really generating our reality? Is the law of attraction really real? Does it apply 100% to our life? Or is there such a thing as random acts of evil? And that was a question that I was trying to understand. And it took me eight years to, to unravel that because my thinking was, if there are such a thing as just random acts of evil on occasion, people just, things just happen, then, then that means that on some level we, we are victims, you know, and, and that was my philosophy. Or if the law of attraction is actually real, then it applies to everything. 
And my thing was, how can we say that the law of attraction applies to everything, including the most horrendous things on earth? So does the law of attraction really apply to everything? It, you know, it, it can't be kind of halfway. Either the law of attraction is real or it isn't. And so I had to, I kind of had this thing of, of understanding, is the law of attraction really a real thing? I mean, people preach it, but that means that it applies to all of these really horrible things that happen in the world. It, it can't be halfway, right? Like it can't be 70% law of attraction and 30% random acts of evil. And I had to come to terms with that because if the law of attraction was real, that means I attracted that situation. So I really came to terms with that. And I came to the conclusion that yes, the law of attraction isn't halfway, right? It applies to everything, meaning that on one hand, yes, we attract all these negative, horrible things. But on the other hand, we have the power to shift our vibration and create what we want in life. So it was really an empowering thing, but it's also coming to terms with that. Yeah, we're so powerful. We can attract really horrible things, but we're so powerful. We can create really great things. I just was saying to my husband this morning, why does all of this stuff always happen to me? I had someone um, try to deliver a package from UPS and all this crazy stuff happened. And I talked to like a supervisor on the phone and she said, in 37 years of working with UPS, I've never seen anything this outrageous. This is the strangest set of mistakes I've ever seen. On the very same day, I had someone hack one of my websites and the person I talked to on the phone was like, I've never seen anything like this. I can't believe it. Blah, blah, blah. People say that to me all the time. And then when I tell these stories to someone else, they'll say, oh, you should buy a lottery ticket because, you know, these unique things happens to you. And I'm like, it's not usually a unique and wonderful thing that happens to me. It's like, oh, wow, this is so weird and terrible. Like, how did this happen to you? And I was just complaining to my husband this morning, like this happened, this happened, this happened. Why is it always me? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm kind of in that place where you were at the beginning of the eight years where you're like, why, you know, I don't want to be the victim. But then mm -hmm. on the other hand, I feel that oddly these things happen to me. So where do you move from there? So this is where it gets maybe challenging because you have to unravel yourself. Yes. And yeah, and it gets really, I would say hairy because it, the idea that to, to entertain the idea that you created those situations is really at first very challenging. Yes. Right. Because the question is why would you attract or create those situations? And why would you create such weird things? Right. I mean, what, why don't you create weird, good things? And that's, that's exactly what I was, I was facing is, all right, if the law of attraction is really real, why would I create a sexual assault? Somebody breaking into my house at 3 a.m., that's, that's the worst thing ever. And I had to come to terms with that. And, and what I did was I went through eight years of, of different healers and, and coaches, and the message was always the same, that you did attract this. But the thing was, it took me eight years to realize that the origin of my attraction was unprocessed emotion, unprocessed anger that I was just storing in my energy field. So I had this like ball, like in one session I uncovered this incredible amount of anger that I'd been storing over, over years and years, years about men, you know, 
and, and what I was creating with men. And, and I just, you know, sometimes it's easy when you get angry or upset about something to just stuff it and, and not release it. You know, babies are really good. They release their emotions all the time. But as we get older, you know, like, could you imagine if we allowed ourselves to be that emotionally free and all these people are crying at the airport like babies because we just let the emotion go and you're experiencing it? I mean, I mean, we're not allowed to do that anymore, but it doesn't mean the emotion's not there, right? So a lot of people have a tendency to just stuff the anger and unprocessed stuff and emotion into their, into their energy field or their heart. It just stays there and we distract ourselves to ignore it. You know, we eat food, watch TV, go to movies, you know, there's tons of distractions where we don't want to face it. Mm-hmm. So when you start to get into that idea that, oh, we, I created this, you have to face all that crap. And, and, and understand the origin of why you would create this. And it's stuff that it's this crap that's stored in your energy field that's unprocessed. And, and so the idea is to uncover it and, and face it and release it and do a forgiveness process on it. And interesting enough, like before that sexual assault, I was attracting a lot of sexual predators, you know, unwanted predatory energy. And that was the final straw. And I realized that, you know, once I processed and released all that anger that I had, I stopped attracting sexual predators. And uh, yeah, and, and so you can, you can shift these patterns in your life. It's just the uh, decision to take responsibility for them, which is really, really hard because it, on some level, like I didn't want to admit to myself that I, I attracted that. Yeah, I can see that. And I've, I even have said that to my husband as well, is that, you know, I feel like there's something and even just admitting it is like attracting more of it. That's how I feel. But I agree. Like, I think that it is something that's in there and you just have to somehow peel back the layers until you uncover it. And I can imagine that that takes a lot of work. Does your book help people to peel back those layers? Is that why you wrote the book? Mm-hmm. I wrote the book because there's a lot of books out there on the law of attraction, mm-hmm. but I believe that a lot of them don't deal with the dark side. Right. And, and I wanted to deal with, with the dark side about, well, why the law of attraction sounds great when you're thinking about like, oh, this is manifest a car or these positive things. But I haven't seen a lot of stuff out there deal with why do, why do I track, you know, um, bad stuff, like really bad stuff Mm -hmm. and taking responsibility for it. So I want to bring an awareness that if we accept the law of attraction, it's not just one sided, that it's the full spectrum of stuff Mm -hmm. that we attract everything in in the hopes that other people can start taking responsibility for everything. Because a lot of people I've talked to believe, well, the law of attraction is great for 70%. Right. And then the other 30%, yeah, it's just random. You know, I don't, I didn't create that. And I wanted to get people into perhaps open the idea that it's it's not a selective right. law. It's right. all or nothing. Yeah, it's either you believe it or not. So it's also very empowering, but I wanted people to claim more power around it. And that's uh-huh. why I wrote it because I haven't seen a lot of it um, applied to the dark side. And so I also talk about my own journey about uncovering these layers. Um, and the first way to start is when something like this bad happens, um, start with the emotions that you feel about it because that's what the universe is trying to show you. Okay. So if it makes you angry um, or, uh, you know, whatever strong emotions it uncovers, that's, that's the emotional origin 
of why you're why you're attracting it and so that's a good place to start so whenever you get triggered you know and, and the idea like a lot of people um and i do this too sometimes is that you don't want to feel that <laughs> you know it's like i don't want to feel that emotion let just, me find a way to make this go away yeah let's have a drink or uh you know eat a pint of ice cream or because food will kind of deaden it um especially emotional eating will deaden it there's a go shopping mm -hmm. you know, therapy there's a lot of ways to to avoid feeling it but then you'll attract it again because you'll it's like your spirit and the universe is like wanting you to to release that to do do a forgiveness process on it to feel it fully and do a forgiveness process on it and then you can change what you're attracting if if your audience is interested in health um then one of the things we talk about is the same concept applies to health that it does to money so if people are having like health or pain you know understanding why they created this why they attracted it so they can unravel it that's my philosophy on health okay. so it's really a paradigm shift because western medicine i think kind of again uh, fosters the victim mentality because you go to the doctor and they you know you want the doctor to fix you your body has, you have cancer, meaning that you feel victimized by your own body, right? It perpetuates that whole mindset of now you need to rely on a source outside of yourself to fix you. And to me, that, that just puts you right into a victim consciousness. I can't believe you're saying that because I was talking to someone on the phone this morning and saying how her daughter was diagnosed with something. And then I have someone in my life who is also diagnosed with something. And we were talking about how sometimes people will, it's almost better not to get a diagnosis because I think, and not always, and I don't want to, I want to be very careful with how I say this, but I think sometimes when people get a diagnosis, especially a mental health um, type of diagnosis, they will use that diagnosis as almost a way to get out of trying to do better in a certain area. I don't want to say a crutch, but that's the thing that's coming to my mind. So for example, let's say someone has a diagnosis of um, obsessive compulsive disorder and mm -hmm. where they would try maybe before to rein in those compulsions to do certain things. Now that they have the diagnosis, they just um, go ahead and give in to those compulsions and say, you know, I'm not going to work on this anymore because I have this OCD and this is how it is. So what are your thoughts on applying, you know, some of the things that you work with people and what you've written in your book? So I feel like, again, that we generate these conditions, that we're responsible for them so mm -hmm. that we're not a victim of our body. Um, and so I don't believe in using a diagnosis as an excuse to perpetuate the condition. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's not to say that I don't have compassion for people. Of course, I have compassion for people's journeys because we all have stuff that we're, that we're challenged by. Um, but the idea is to use whatever is going on to understand your inner workings. So I believe like disease or, or challenges or opportunities to gain more insight into where you've become separate from love. So for example, in my situation, where I was describing the sexual assault. You know, I, I had all this anger stored in my energy field. Well, with all that anger there, I couldn't be as open to love as I could be once, you know, once I released it and the willingness to let it go. So I feel like these, these conditions are also 
the same thing because ultimately our goal is to open our hearts and to become more loving people and connected more connected to love so so really with ocd or whatever the condition is um allowing that space to ask why is it that i created this and and you will get an answer you know it may take a little while because and, and being open to the answer but what is it within me that was a match for this condition Right. And I mean, I agree with that. I, I, I feel like the feelings attached to whatever the condition is are very real. I'm not denying that the feelings are real. I've actually, you know, experienced a little of the OCD tendencies myself, but I also have learned to, um, I don't know if it would be cognitive behavioral therapy um, or not even the therapy because I, I figured out on my own how to cope with some of these and how to overcome them. Um, talk therapy helped a lot. And I do think that like, um, for example, bitterness and anger, it mm -hmm. can manifest in physical illness because mm -hmm. we hold um, bitterness and anger in our liver or like, you know, so different parts of our body can be affected by these feelings that we have. And I do believe like that, you know, they're real, but I think sometimes we just get stuck in that pattern with mm -hmm. the feelings and not being able to move past. Okay. This is, you know, recognizing what it is and how to move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's easy to get stuck and, and just stick, just stay in it. And I think one of the things, um, I don't know if you saw the movie, the shack. I love that movie. Um, it, it's it kind of it's a it's a very Christian oriented movie, but it's it's really wonderful because um, the main character was suffering over a brutal mur murder of his daughter, and he got stuck there. That's when his life started falling apart because, of course, he was angry at God because you know how could God allow this to happen that his daughter was murdered, his young five year old daughter was murdered, and he just was stuck in his anger. He was letting his marriage fall apart his other children, you know, he wasn't connecting to his other children. He was just stuck in this anger and this grief. And, and, and the whole idea of the movie was to say, to, to get him to a place where he could accept that he needed to forgive. Wow. Um, that the forgiveness process and, and uh, it's, it's a really powerful movie, but the bottom line was that staying stuck in this, it, it, it doesn't serve anything, even if it feels unfair or unjust or, or whatever, um, if you're stuck in this and you're not forgiving, there's a whole life that's that's asking you to 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 move forward, and it can create physical problems. So basically, a lot of it is the willingness to to forgive. I think that's where we get stuck sometimes. Is we're not really we think well that was really unfair and that really sucked, and like I'm not going to forgive that because that that was that was horrible. And it's so not fair. And I'm just going to hold on to that as a grudge. Um, I've seen people do this. You know, they think that was really unfair. That was so, I'm, I'm now I'm really angry. And I'm just going to, I don't feel like I can forgive this. And I don't want to. The problem with that is that really the lack of forgiveness hurts yourself. It doesn't make the other person. Right. Like it doesn't, just because you forgive something doesn't mean what they did was okay. It just means that you don't have to carry around that baggage that's harming you, that may be destroying your marriage or your family or your finances or your health, you, you know, to let that go. And it won't make that okay, but uh, stop harming yourself, continue to harm yourself over it. 
Right. It is definitely like taking your own poison whenever you, and I think there's a lot of um, perception of choice there. I think a lot of times when it's something seriously major, like what you went through um, there, you think I'm not, I'm not going to forgive. There's no way I could forgive that. I mean, that's a horrible, horrible thing that someone would do, but the choice still is yours to forgive. And I think just the perception of the choice changes how you feel about it um, and know that, that you do have the choice to forgive. And like you said, maybe it doesn't absolve the other person of their responsibility. They still need to be, you know, there needs to be a certain amount of justice there. Um, but in your own heart, letting go of that poison of unforgiveness can help you to move forward. I've experienced that myself. And it's crazy too. I don't know if you said it took you eight years, how, how intense those eight years might've been. But for me, I went through something similar, not, not similar to what you've gone through, but holding on to resentment and unmet expectations, anger and unforgiveness and just all kinds of stuff. And then when the re resolution came, it was completely unexpected, but I had been waiting on it for all this time. And the, the change in the body, like just my whole being was like light. And I likened it to the difference between a piece of wool and a piece of gauze in the way I felt like in the beginning and the end. Because I mean, at the end, after it was resolved and everything just started to you know, become lighter and better. I felt like my body was gauze <laughs> as opposed to years of being wool. So mm -hmm. were the eight years, did you realize you were coming to a resolution on this or was it, was it just a long drawn out process? Yeah, totally. So that eight years really was, first of all, uh, reconciling the law of attraction in my head. You know, did I attract that part of that eight years was, you know, coming to terms with, do I actually really believe what I teach? Do we really attract everything? Or is it some other law of the universe? You know, coming to terms with the fact that I did attract it took me probably four years. You know, even willing to accept the idea that I could even attract something like that took me about four. The other four is then I was like, well, why? And, and, and so the PTSD was really, I felt like until I understood really why, I could attract it again, right? So that was my thought. So once I got to the bottom of why, um, and I forgave, and I realized the forgiveness process was releasing the frequency of energy that attracted it. Then the PTSD went away because I realized I'm not going to attract it again because I'm releasing, I'm forgiving the whole frequency of energy that, that attracted in the first place. So it, once I did the forgiveness process and released it and, and said, I am going to forgive this and let it go and, and committed to forgiving it, it changed my whole, you know, everything I attracted. Um, in my, in my life. So it was kind of almost holographic. It was a big shift, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I stopped attracting predators. I stopped attracting these, these types of men that were predatory, attracted different types of, of, you know, good, good men into my life. And so it's really interesting what happens when you do forgive. It's, it shifts what you, what you attract on, on sometimes with these major things on a major level. Yeah. So where are you now? So where am I now? So so that, that's behind me, right? Um, and uh, so I paid off all my debt. I paid off the $135,000 of debt. I repaired my credit score. You know, I, I, I took charge, basically. I said, this, this victim thing's done. Um, so I started to really look at my own, you know, s 
spinning patterns, my own patterns in life about why I was spending more than I made. Cause that was the origin of the problem. I, I spent more money than I made. Um, and so I looked at, well, why, why am I spending more money than I make? I, I really went and reflected on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I cut, you know, I kind of naturally cut back my expenses. Um, I started to now um, make more money than I spent. And with that excess, I paid off all my debt. Um, I saved, um, this took about six years, but I paid off all my debt. I saved about a hundred thousand dollars. Um, so I started saving. And, uh, so, um, that's kind of where I am now. So I kind of flipped my financial situation. And now it's like my mindset is, is really different. You know, now, no matter what I'm doing, I always look at, at saving money every month and it's, it's easy because I realize that that savings is investing in myself and my values. And you so, teach us how kind of you talk about this in your book, how you got there. The whole yeah. process is there. So who do you feel like you wrote this book for? I wrote it for one of the most common emails I get um, in my company are people who say, I can't afford that. I can barely make it. I can, I can barely afford to live like I'm one step away from being homeless. You know, even though we're not a company about money, pe- money issues always come up for people, you know, people feeling like, wow, I, I want to, I want to buy a book, but I can't afford a book or I'm, you know, I, I can, I can barely afford my rent or cause that money stress really, I think impacts your health. So I really wrote it for people who feel like they're, they're just feeling hopeless about the money thing. They're, you know, they're, they're at their last straw basically. Because that's how I felt with that much debt, you know, barely making my credit card payments. I felt like this is never, this is ridiculous. It's never going to shift. I'm, I'm just stuck. This is my life, you know, type of thing. That's so that's why I wrote impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's it's incredible that you were able to um, turn around your net worth like that and just, I mean, where you came in that eight years, not just mentally, but, you know, financially and everything else. I mean, I think it's a story that a lot of people will um, be able to relate to on different levels. So thank you for sharing that with us. It's, it's just incredible. I mean, I, I, you hear about people that have gotten out of that kind of debt, but um, just the path that you took to do it in your own life is very interesting and inspiring. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I really, I really know what it feels like to feel really down and out or hopeless or maybe even Stop. suicidal about life, especially when these really horrible things happen, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, just people just lose their will to live um, type of thing. So I, I really want to show people, you have two choices, you know, if you've lost the will to live, or if you're down and out to a level where it feels hopeless, you have two choices. One is to just get lost in that hopelessness and, and spiral down your life, or you can use it as fuel to turn things around. And that's why I wrote the book. Cause I'm hoping that people can take these low moments, mm-hmm. use it as fuel to completely shift their life. So that's why. Yeah, I definitely think you've achieved that. So people can get your book spiritual and broke. It's available in all of the places you buy books and they can also contact you at your website, spiritualandbroke.com. I have an email on there. Uh-huh. And you work with people individually still. I still work with people individually. And then also quantumtouch.com is the energy medicine company. Mm-hmm. And that's more geared towards physical issues. Okay. Pain or, or whatever people are dealing with, like health stuff. 
So you said globally, you don't just work with people locally, right? mm -hmm. I can do over Skype or phone. And uh, my, my interest is helping people with their financial, you know, issues or business stuff, because that's what I've been doing the last 17 years is, is business. You know, how do you take a, a spiritually oriented or a business that you love and, and bring it into the world and, and um, you know, or, or a business that's failing? I like to kind of get in there and let's see how we can turn this around. That's my other area. I really enjoy so You that. actually enjoy doing this. I can tell from yeah. the way you're talking, this is something that you actually derive pleasure from doing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like if somebody's really doing something they really believe in and they're struggling with the business side, how can we get in there and make this thing viable? I just love helping people bring their, their passion into the world. That's awesome. Thank you for being on the show. I'll make sure that all of the links to your book and your websites and all of the ways to contact Jennifer will be in the show notes. Or if you're watching this video on YouTube, you can check the description box. It'll be there. Um, it'll be on my website. So you will find Jennifer there. So thank you so much for being on the show. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero-waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.